second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky, quarterback well, North Carolina. Hello. It's going it's to be a perfect fit. I'm very happy to be here in Chicago. Yeah, I really enjoy the coaching staff and my time with them, and I just can't wait to get to work. Bears Hour Live with host Lauren Cox and the draft talk Phil Atoshin. Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. We're coming to you on a Thursday night instead of our usual Sunday. It's going to be like that for the next couple of weeks here. We're not going to be on our, our usual Sunday schedule, but and once we get a little later into June, we'll be back on our normal schedule. For those of you listening to the podcast version, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Give us that five-star review. That's how you move up in the rankings. We'd really appreciate some help there. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Draft Dr. Phil Atoshin. He is at FullPhilO on Twitter. Phil, Thursday night, how you doing? Well, I'm well-rested for a Thursday night football, Lauren. you got to be fired up tonight to talk a little Chicago Bears football. You know, we got some people listening in, and that's always a plus. You get some Bears talk in June, Lauren. Yeah, it's 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 a season, a, a dry season of NFL content. The Chicago Bears are in the middle of OTAs, but, you know, the only select practices are open up to the media, and I think there's only a couple more in total left. I don't know if the media gets anything more, so I don't know if we're going to hear much before their mandatory mini camps, I think, which are next week. But the one thing that did kind of come out recently, you know, after practices that I, I, I know you want to address here, was the retirement of Oklahoma head coach Bob Stoops. And I know we're, we're going to get more to the Bears defense a little bit later in the show, but we want to start off with this because there was immediately some connections here that maybe Bob Stoops is eyeing up. And I don't know if somebody put out, if any Twitter account or something put out the rumor or if fans were just trying to connect the dots. I never really saw where this started, but there was some thought that maybe Bob Stoops could be in line to be the next Chicago Bears head coach after he retired from Oklahoma. He reportedly (laughs) purchased a home in Chicago, he and his wife, and it's apparently like in the same neighborhood that a lot of the wealthy Chicago Bears players have purchased homes. So of course, people start putting two and two together, but I, I, I think you're in agreement with me that there's absolutely zero connection here, and there's not really anything Bears fans should be looking forward to, I guess, if they're if they're hoping to see Bob Stoops in blue and orange? Yeah, I think there's a lot of trying to connect dots where there aren't. This isn't paint by dots. And uh, that rumor, I think, just a BHL breakdown of that, Lauren, I think, you know, off the air, you did a wonderful job analyzing this, really. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah who kind of brought this to the attention of a lot of Twitter heads that Bob Stoops had purchased the home, as you said, and he was retiring. And in Chicago, it was kind of weird because don't coaches normally retire in warmer climates down south? So just really trying to put things together without really much substance at all. So... We just wanted to address that topic as we move forward. I know Greg Gabriel was calling it ludicrous, like a young Mike Tyson on Twitter. He was trying to dispel that. So, you know, John Fox is here next year. He might not be here thereafter, Lauren. I I can say that. I know my Kevin White takes have split sides, and uh, but... I think everyone could agree that John Fox is a is not a lock. We don't know what his future is, depending on how they perform next year. So it's going to be interesting. But I think the Bob Stoops stuff needed to be addressed tonight. Really, I believe um, wholeheartedly that they're much ado about nothing. Yeah, even the rumors. I mean, sometimes rumors you can kind of say, well, where there's smoke, there might be fire. But usually they have to make sense. And, like, you have to be able to see some actual smoke. But to me, this sounds more like someone said they saw smoke and then there wasn't actually any smoke because it doesn't – it just doesn't make sense to me and I think to most logical Bears fans that Bob Stoops retires from Oklahoma in June before the season. 
with the idea that the Chicago Bears job is already being handed to him in the future? I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm not, like, I'm not here saying there is a 0% chance that maybe, you know, I'd call it less, call it less than 1% that maybe Bob Stoops is in the consideration if the Bears fire John Fox after the season and maybe he's on Ryan Pace's list, maybe. I mean, that seems minuscule, but I'm not going to say it's zero. But I would say it's zero chance that Bob Stoops makes the decision to retire in June with the Chicago Bears job in mind. I mean, there's no reason he couldn't coach this full season at Oklahoma with a talented Oklahoma roster, a quarterback who I believe is in the Heisman race, who's going to be entering the NFL draft next year in Baker Mayfield that a lot of people are big fans of. I mean, it was it's it, it still kind of remains a mystery as to why exactly Stoops retired. I know he said, I think the quote was that he wanted to live life now and, and you know, have a life after coaching, which doesn't necessarily rule out him maybe coaching again someday I mean you never know but I I think it's it's pretty much nothing connecting him to the Bears whatsoever and just because he bought a home in Chicago doesn't mean he's going to be coaching there anytime soon but now now that we've properly given that a burial (laughs) maybe didn't even deserve I want to move on to the big topic of today's show I want to talk today about the Chicago Bears defense because you know when the the OTAs were open to reporters I want to say Two days ago, yesterday, I'm not sure. Today's Thursday. It might have been. It was either Wednesday or Tuesday. I want to say it may, may have been Wednesday. You know, we heard from Willie Young. We heard from Pernell McPhee. We're going to play audio for you for them a little bit later in the show. And their expectations for this Bears defense are slowly starting to grow. You know, sometimes a reporter will put out a story and you know talk about how good a Bears defense is going to be, and that'll raise the bar of expectations. But it seems like the Bears are doing plenty of that on their own. I know Prince Amukamara and Adrian Amos both also talked and said, talking about you know getting this defense back to the Bears' defense that, that we've known in the past and getting the turnovers back up. And the Bears kind of keep hyping their own defense, and there's a lot of talk now from them put, kind of putting more pressure on themselves to be better than they were last year, be more successful. Obviously, they're all citing health as a big reason. And, of course, you've got some additions in free agency and a little bit in the draft that can maybe help bring this defense a little bit farther and make them a more dominant unit in 2017 because I mean we look at you look at this team and and not very many people are predicting big success for the Chicago Bears not a lot of people saying playoffs with you know Mike Glennon at quarterback and maybe Mitch Trubisky plays at some point and everyone's kind of thinking you know 500 would be a nice year with what they're with what they're doing on offense but it does overlook the defense a little bit and you know the, the defense has kind of talked about how we want to make Mike Glennon's job easier and I guess I, I want to get your take on, on how much easier they can make his job. I mean, how I mean, you add Jay Howard, you get healthy outside linebackers back, you assign three cornerbacks and a safety, you know, Mukamara, Cooper, B.W. Webb, um, Quentin Demps, you draft Eddie Jackson, you get some of these guys back healthy. There's obviously some reason to be excited about this defense, but I guess how much of a difference can they make this year? And I guess, Phil, let me, let me start it off here. How excited are you about the guys coming back on defense? What what kind of expectations just generally do you see with this group? Oh, you you look at this defense and it really starts up front. Now they didn't get any players on the top 100, Lauren, on NFL Network, so they're probably done. Probably not going to be a very good defense. <laughs> <laughs> Game over. It's a little little don't shot even play. at them. Don't even play the season. Don't even play. Uh, you know, second leading rusher is a rookie, and he played in four less games, and he's not in the, the top 100. I think <laughs> that show has jumped the shark 100%. So that quick little jab, jab at NFL Network's top 100 is ridiculous. But in all honesty, when you look at this defense, though, that front seven is, is intriguing because you look at uh, – Akeem Hicks, and you really saw the guy starting to really get comfortable in the system that Vic Fangio was using. Uh, Eddie Goldman at nose tackle, he probably was your best defensive lineman, and he really didn't play much football last year. So he comes in with a lot of injury concerns, but the talent, you've seen it on the football field. When given the opportunity to play, there are dominant series of plays by Eddie Goldman when he's in there for healthy. And when I mean series, I'm talking a whole drive. You're seeing Eddie Goldman establish himself on the defensive line and really help others get to the passer or stop the run. He's 
that intricate piece of the puzzle to what it is that you're trying to do in that 3-4 scheme. The nose guard might be the most important position because he has to set the tone and has to set the line of scrimmage in the backfield. And Eddie Goldman, with his size and his quickness, really can be something special if he could stay healthy. So you look at those two players alone. Then, over at Bears Hour Live on YouTube, if you haven't gotten a chance, you should go check out today. Lauren and I broke down Jay Howard. And I got to say, I'm very excited about that football player. Now, I know he's coming off an injury. I know that could be concerning to some, and it should be. But really, ultimately, the talent that that football has on top, football player has on top of the awareness at the position really gives the Chicago Bears front three really, really good uh, defensive linemen in the 3-4 scheme. Something, if you remember, really, and I know articles are going to come out about this very soon, but this was a transition that needed to happen with personnel in order to get Vic Fangio and the 3-4 scheme and philosophy that never existed ever in Chicago. They're either running a 46, a 4-3, a 50 front. Sometimes you would get that 3-4 look, but it would be in very spurts. This is their base front now, so you needed to get the right personnel in there. I think adding a Jay Howard to the mix is really going to help a young guy like Jonathan Bullard, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, I love the football player coming out of the draft, Lauren. I know you did too. And he really struggled mightily last year with effort and the defense. So you get a veteran, a savvy veteran, who's polished at playing that position. Now all of a sudden, Jonathan Bullard and the competition uh, chimes up to a third level. And then I just wanted to talk briefly about this wild card in there too, you know, cause you're going to add Mitch on Ryan. He, he's just a guy at this point. He, I thought he took a step back Lauren last year mm-hmm. in his performance. Then his first year here, I thought he was a real great, uh, sub sub. Yeah. Fabric player as Shane Marshall would say, he would come in and give you great plays and great series that in effort last year, he took a step back. So, he might not make the final 53 when you have a young wild card like uh, Robinson Harris Robertson. or is it Her- Robertson Harris for the <laughs> for the folks at home. This football player is somebody the Bears completely stashed on the roster and allowed this giant athlete to grow into his body and take a lot of mental and physical reps and get bigger and stronger. He's somebody that you got to keep an eye on. I loved Cornelius Washington. Follow me, you know. He really, I thought, was taking that next step, got a good deal left for Detroit. Well, a lot of the athleticism and talent that you see at the point of attack that you're going to be asking a player, I think Robinson Harris is somebody you need to watch in training camp. Then at Bears Hour Live, we did another on Rashad Coward. You know, here's another guy, six foot six, over 310 pounds, maybe what, 320, 325, that has athleticism, but really needs to work on polishing his technique and his sta- his get off from his stance. He he stands up a lot. We broke him down at Bears Hour Live on YouTube as well. So I'm really taking you through those defensive linemen. Then you got a guy from my hometown, Jonathan Jenkins, from, uh, from Meriden, Connecticut, uh, by way of Georgia. Here's a guy kind of bounced around Seattle, New Orleans, drafted him. Ryan Pace was there. This is a guy that can give you competition at, for Goldman because he is an aggressive attacking football player at the point of it attack he'll play with a flat back we could give a little jonathan jenkins tape maybe come this summer because here's a guy that can really step in where you saw a will sutton struggle because he really didn't fit the scheme jonathan jenkins he could play 
five tech as well as nose guard and really push and start and become a starter in a pinch with great technique, Lawrence. So I think that improvement in that defensive line group right there is really going to be the impetus. And we could talk about the rest of the defense too, but I wanted to just get a focus in on those inside players that are going to be in competition. Is anyone missing out of there? Uh, you didn't touch much on Jonathan Bullard, but outside of him, that was, I mean, you mentioned his name, but uh, he was, there's only one other lineman on the roster, which is uh, Capron Lewis Moore, who was uh, bounced around a couple teams, I believe, hasn't re- from Notre Dame a couple years ago, Phil, I don't remember, yeah. if you remember him. Six yeah. Round pick, I think. Was he the Colts? Baltimore. Baltimore, that's right. So, yeah, yeah here's a guy that they could throw into the competition. You never know. With the, we talked about this before systems help players players help systems it's a handshake agreement some players don't fit the system so therefore they can't help here's a guy that could come in here and become a fabric player like you saw unrine in his first year if mitch really committed to the weight room as well as his uh his stamina, I think he needed to lose a little bit of the weight and get in better shape. I'm talking about Unrine now. I think he would have had a better year. So we'll see how he does coming out too. But Capron Lewis is somebody Golden Dome fans are going to be happy to see in the competition. I don't know what he's going to bring to the table. But I think as you brought up Bullard, I think this is a critical year for him to set the stage because the traits are there Lauren the get off is there now the effort and the understanding have to get on the same page I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how Bullard responds to a guy like Jay Howard coming in you know when with mm-hmm. when it was just him and Mitch Unrein it was a lot of back and forth they kind of rotated in both guys got their snaps and everyone was kind of hunky-dory and Bullard was just kind of seemed to be accepting his role but Jay Howard goes in there, and when he gets healthy, and I think there's some rumblings that he's still not participating fully at Bears practice, although I don't think it's uh, been confirmed because I think the media is not supposed to let a lot of that stuff out. But I think our our producer extraordinaire, Shane Marsa, mentioned that one of the pod, one of the big media podcasts, they let it slip that Howard might not be or it might or is he still waiting to be ready for training camp, something like that. I don't remember exactly the specifics, but when he comes back, I mean, he should be your bona fide starter. I don't, I don't see Unrein being able to push him to compete in a rotation. And obviously, last year Bullard was behind Unrein, so unless he can show some massive improvement, I want to see how he responds to being more of a true backup. I mean, he was kind of a rotational guy. When Unrein still played more snaps and snaps and was the quote unquote starter, but Bullard still got, you know, a, a, about. 300 snaps last year. Unrein had 436, it looks like. So, you know, Unrein was definitely the guy, and Cornelius Washington was in there too, taking snaps. And now you add Howard in there who can take a starter's load. I want to see if Bullard steps up or if he kind of continues to fall back down. And like you said, it's, it's a big year for him. And I just really like the depth on this defensive line as a whole. It seemed like last year they were kind of stuck with a really a four man rotation for much of the year. I mean, it was Hicks. And then Unride Bullard as their defensive end, and then sort of Goldman until he got hurt, and then Will Sutton, and then Goldman again. You know how they kind of went back and forth a little bit, but it was really those guys until the injuries kept coming, and then C.J. Wilson got in. But they never really had more than four guys they were rotating around. Akeem Hicks played just an, a ridiculous number of snaps, but now I really feel like they're a good at least six deep right now with Hicks, Goldman, and. Howard is your three starters, and then you got Bullard's, uh, John Jenkins, and uh, Mitch Unrein behind them, and then you even you throw in C.J. Wilson and Rashad Coward in there. I mean, you could have seven defensive linemen all worthy of play. Whereas last year, it felt like Will Sutton wasn't really doing much out there, and you know he didn't really feel like even C.J. Wilson. He played well in flashes, but he came on in was it October or November when he first got on the roster? Maybe it was September, but still, right. I think they didn't they cut him like later. three separate times. I mean, yeah. Like, Kept they cutting him on death. Thursday. Robertson Harris too, as well. Don't forget him. Yeah, I I, I keep overlooking him because he's he was on the the non football injury list last year, and I, we're definitely going to do him in the film room next too with some UTEP tape from his college. Be on the lookout for that. Hopefully next week, but we'll see. Might might get pushed back a little bit. We're not really sure yet, but obviously a lot to like 
from this defensive line. And that's that's really where it starts. You started to break it down with Eddie Goldman and how important the nose tackle is. But those five technique defensive ends in the base defense, they really help set that initial edge sort of and, and really set some tone there on the outside and free up the outside linebackers to be able to work a little bit more in space. And if the outside, you know, if it's an outside zone kind of run and the outside linebacker really sets that edge, then that lets a guy like Jay Howard really just dominate the guard or tackle in front of him and set it even harder and force that running back back, back, back into the, either the arms of other defensive linemen, the other linebackers. I mean, that that's where it starts is on those guys up front. And then, of course, you get in your base defense and you need some pass rush from your two, or you get into your nickel defense, excuse me, you need some pass rush from your two linemen and the more blockers they can eat up on that interior, the more opportunities you're going to get with Leonard Floyd one-on-one, with Pernell McPhee one-on-one, with offensive tackles. And most teams don't have two offensive tackles that can consistently beat those guys one-on-one. And that's that's where you're going to see this front seven really at least potentially take their game up to the next level and be more dominant as as a front just because if you have these guys healthy, we can start to see some of the potential of what they can be. But obviously that turns into a big if. And, and Willie Young talked about that a little bit at OTAs the other day. He talked about how excited he is and, and the sort of the versatility that they have at that outside linebacker position when you've got the defense up front playing, you know, the defensive line especially playing at the top of their game and healthy, being able to take on blocks. I mean, not that they're always just trying to occupy blocks. Those, you know, it's, just, it's a one-gap defense, so a lot of them are just trying to make a play and get into the backfield. But Young especially was excited about what a healthy outside linebacker core can do. It'll be a major difference, you know. Um, like I say, that's one of the that's one of the skill sets that we have in in, in the wide range of uh, different type of guys that we have in our outside linebacker room. Guys that can play defensive end in the four three, guys that can play in the three four standing up at all different weight classes from two twenty five all the way up to two seventy, two eighty. You know who you know. Just kind of throwing weights out. I don't know how much guys we right now, but we got a wide range of guys that can play these positions. And when you are able to do that, when you're that versatile in one position alone, guys can't just you can't show up during the course of a game week and prepare for the guys that you're going to see that week. You don't know who's going to be where. You don't know who's going to be on which side. You know, and all of us have a different skill set. We got a power guy. We got a speed guy. We got a finesse guy. I mean, we got a guy that can run through your face. You know, we got a guy that can get after the quarterbacks. So, at the end of the day, it's going to be a, 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 a huge thing that we all come to a common agreement, basically, and we all continue to work together and stick together. Really having, having mixed feedback is going to be huge for us. But as I go back and watch film, you know, from the, the previous practices and whatnot, um, I see a lot of upside. Um, upside is one thing, but what we actually do and what we're actually able to put together uh, within the process you know, could be a completely different story. So, um, Tom Mattel, uh, he is going to be defensively to keep getting after those guys and making those younger guys better, giving those guys looks. we got a wide range of, uh, <clears throat> of talent within our outside linebacker room and along our defensive line also. And it's going to be important that we continue to show up every day working on our craft and, and doing so will allow the offensive line and the younger guys to adapt at a fairly rapid pace. So obviously Willie Young is excited about the young guys on their team and even the veterans coming back. I mean, one of the guys I think we keep sleeping on a little bit here is Lamar Houston just because he hasn't played much in the last two seasons. But the first year he was here in Chicago, he led the team in sacks. And he's a guy that I I think continues to fly under the radar at that outside linebacker position. Hopefully, I mean, there's always a chance he doesn't make the final roster. But I think if all these guys are healthy, I think he's going to have a role here. But Phil... What do you what do you think about this outside linebacker group and and what Willie Young said about the different skill sets that they have? Well, he's right. There's a mixed bag of talent out there. Obviously, it all starts with Leonard Floyd and how he's going to transition in year two. You know, there was a lot of talk, and we addressed the weight class story and how weight isn't a a scale measured thing it's actual strength that's really the most important attribute and that's the thing that leonard floyd needed to address in this offseason is his brute force strength and his ability to stay on the football field he could put on all the weight you want that's not going to help a football player be better you want to be able to be stronger sound in your technique and fit more physical and 
there's no questioning the young man's athletic talent on the football field. He showed a lot to me in spurts. The concerns I had for him, however, and that you had, reared their head. He wasn't on the football field. He Down the stretch, he had concussions. He was sitting on the, the sideline. Those types of things with younger players don't help their future. You know, the best players play the game. The best players suit up on Sunday. The, you, you didn't see Walter Payton out of a game. You didn't see Richard Dent hurt. Got to get on, on the football field. That's the most important thing to the coaching staff and to the team itself. Because if you can bring this together and Leonard Floyd takes another step towards becoming a great rusher, then you can use him more on a situational basis to to get the most out of his attributes. And then you throw in Willie Young returning to health. You know, you know how I feel about Willie Young. I think that guy's a true warrior and leader. Uh, I thought he spoke well about recognizing the importance of Pernell McPhee to the team. As we know, McPhee seems to be the most vocal leader on this team. Maybe Danny Trevathan, number two, but... McPhee has a fire in him, and unfortunately, his issues are much like Leonard Floyd, except on the other end, he's got too much weight, Lauren, and he needs to be in shape. So the balance there is one with which you have to see be played out when the pads come on. We can talk all we want. It really doesn't mean not much. And when I say we, I mean the football team and the players could talk all they want about improvement, about this and about that. But until they get the pads on and start hitting, that's going to be the most important thing. And I think this group, as you said, a Lamar Houston now becomes a wild card. And the reason is because the guy, when he was with Oakland, I thought really that when they signed him here was a versatile piece. That could come in here and give you snaps at three technique and third down situations. Go play defensive end on the outside and rush the passer in a 4-3 scheme. In a 3-4 scheme, I didn't know how he's going to fit. I th- thought he could do stand-up stuff, and you, and you saw it. And you, and you liked what you saw. And then he got injured again. So now he's coming back for the third time. And much like we talked about with Kevin White, if you can't stay you know, healthy, if you're always in the tub, you can't make the club. That's just how it's got to be. And, and unfortunately, in a transition season for a staff and a, and a GM that drafted a quarterback, it's going to be interesting how they handle personnel with injuries and that have been here for a while with injuries consistently. And I mean McPhee and... Um, Lamar Houston. So when I look at the rest of those outside bees, Lauren, I think it's going to be interesting how they put Christian Jones. Is he going to be on the outside or are they going to use him inside? Uh, This kid Irving from San Jose State has some good attributes. A guy that could be a real wild card is Danny Scuda from, uh, I think he was from Grand Valley State, some small school. This is a guy that, you know, fits Vic Fangio's system. When you get coaches signing players that have already coached them, they've already coached them, then they know that they are going to be in the right place at the right time. They're going to do the little things because they aren't getting paid the big dollars. They're getting more than me and you and, and probably fans listening in. But when it comes to the NFL and the rigors of it, they're not making the major money deals, but they're doing the dirty work. You saw that a lot with Sam Acho, who also came back on a one-year deal. I think Scuda has a little bit more talent in the scheme than Acho does, even though I, I think Sam Acho gets a real bad rap because when you actually pop in the tape, he might not be winning in the rush game, but he does a lot of the dirty work setting the edge, stopping the run, lining up all over the defense, Lauren. I mean, sometimes you're looking at him as he's playing nickelback. He's being asked to do a lot of things and line up a lot of places to 
to actually destroy blocking schemes and sacrifice himself for the good of the team. So that's a guy, and that's probably a role Scoot is going to have to play because I don't know. I know he's had some sacks. I just don't know what he's going to bring as a pass rusher. So when you look at those rushers, Willie Young and McPhee and Lamar Houston are the most, uh, and uh, Leonard Floyd are the most excitable guys that you're looking at on the outside that can get home to the quarterback. These rookies are unknowns. I know there's a kid from Minnesota on there, uh, Ekpe or something. Hendrick from yeah, Minnesota. Ekpe. Something like that. He's got, a, he's got a little talent to rush the passer. So you're going to have to see this transition happen. And that's a position where health is the biggest concern because you got McPhee, you got Willie Young, you got Lamar Houston, and you got Leonard Floyd. And what do they all have in common? They've all missed games with injury. And Willie Young is the only one that Coach Fox can't complain. Sound drop here about the hours, Lauren, because <laughs> guy, the guy played through, and I know firsthand that he played through some tough times and tough injuries last season. And, you know, fans want to get on players sometimes, but really you need to stand up and applaud Willie Young for his effort because he was playing through some very difficult and painful injuries and still lining up out there trying to give his all. And that says a lot about that guy. Yeah, Willie Young was definitely uh, one of the Bears that it was easy to be, I guess, the most proud of last season. It seemed like he, you know, week one through 17 didn't give up much fight. But Pernell McPhee is one of those guys, too, that when he's when he's at least healthy and, and active and playing Pernell McPhee-style football, he is pretty easy to get excited about and to cheer for and to, to definitely uh, just get really hyped up, I guess, for a, for an outside linebacker that can dominate defenders with, or dominate blockers when he's one-on-one. And he, he's a bit of a talker, too. He's always a good quote, even though, you know, he's not a guy that says a lot. But what he does say is uh, usually pretty strong and pretty uh, sometimes even abrasive a little bit. But he talked <laughs> to the media uh, right after Willie Young over at OTAs and – he he was a little bit more, um, I guess, excitable and had uh, really set the expectations and the bar high for the Bears' defense this season. I, and I, I want to get your take, too, after this, of whether or not this was a good thing, <laughs> whether or not maybe he should have at least t- dialed it back a little bit or if it's kind of just Pernell McPhee being Pernell McPhee. I mean, dominating, destroying every opponent that we face, you know, um, just showing, showing the world um, – why they actually got these guys in in the room? Me, Leonard, um, Willie, Lamar, Sam—you know—just dominating the NFL. That—that's my focus. That's what I want us to do, and I think that's what we're gonna do. You know, I still feel great um, moving around. Actually, pretty good as I watch myself on film. Um, you know, a little lighter than I was a couple weeks when you seen me. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm still blessed. Still feeling great. Just just staying healthy is the key. But um, you know. Not only just me and Leonard, just the other guys, Willie, uh, Lamar, Sam, Hakeem, Eddie, um, Mitch, um, you know, the whole front seven. It's just all of us just going dominate. That's the main focus, and that's why we out here practicing OTAs, and that's why we're going to go into camp because all of us should be back for camp going um, ready to practice. So Pernell McPhee obviously said he feels lighter, expects everyone to be 100% healthy for training camp and thinks and wants, both wants and thinks, the Bears' defense is going to, quote, destroy, comma, dominate the NFL. Phil, is that, I guess, is that bad? I mean, it, it's, it sounds, it kind of sounds like every, that, that's something that especially divisional opponents can write on their board and, and on their whiteboard and say, hey, the, the Bears' defense says they're going to dominate us. Let's go, let's go dominate them. But at the same time, that always has been Pernell McPhee's style. You know, he likes to speak big and, and tough and, you know, kind of be that emotional leader for this defense. What, what are your thoughts on, on his expectations there? I think uh, it was actually a good thing, Lauren, and I'll tell you why. It's because you're in the OTAs right now. 
you're running around with helmet on and that's it. You got to motivate your football team. You need to find leaders and people that are going to show young players the way they're going to attack a profession. And Pernell McPhee has a fire in his belly to play the game of football. And when you have that on a, a roster, sometimes it's contagious. And, and if he could stay healthy and really showcase that each and every day in the practice, on the football field, in the preseason games, leading up to the f- opening game, that's going to be the most important thing for the football team. So I don't think it's going to be used by anybody as locker room material. I think you have to believe in yourself and you believe in your brothers in that locker room and the guys that are going to step up. You know, there are players that nobody's talking about right now, except Bears Our Lives, that are going to be key players next season that nobody thinks they're going to be anything. But they are going to have that fire and that passion in their belly. And it, and it is contagious because the, the expectation when you turn your head is that that strong safety better have the fire in his belly when I turn my head and I'm standing outside fully knowing that they're going to try to trap me and I got a wrong shoulder and sacrifice myself so the strong safety can come firing through the alley and make the play in the backfield fully knowing that I'm not going to get a credit from PFF and I'm not going to get a credit from Matt Balsley of uh, (laughs) gridiron greats or whatever. But the tape is going to show that that football player helped Adrian Amos get up to the second level and make a, a tackle for a loss. I sacrifice for you. Guess what Amos is going to do the next play? He's going to sacrifice for his brother. And that's how you build great defenses. It's not about statistics 90% of the time. It's about heart. It's about passion for the game. And it's about scheme. And being knowing and being a part of that scheme 100%. I think that's what Willie, Willie Young was talking about. But I think Pernell McPhee is a different kind of guy. And I feel like he fully believes what he's saying. And he fully expects that the coaching staff and the personnel people are going to put the best players out there for them to be successful and be dogs. I mean, he mentioned players by names that he believes are going to surround him and go and make and change the culture of this defense. Because let's face it, this secondary, this linebacker core this defensive line although there's a lot of names there there's a lot of talent that can be harnessed and really fit the scheme so if you start believing in it then ultimately it can happen it's one of those things though where if he gets hurt and you know if these guys get hurt again then does it does it ring a little bit hollow you know it like it's one thing if I, I guess it'd be one thing if it was Lamar Houston and like Lamar Houston tears his ACL again and then it's like well you know when are when are they gonna dominate the NFL you know what I mean I mean if obviously guys stay healthy they, they're playing at 100% you have an outside linebacker group that I think is among the most talented at in as far as edge rushers go in the NFL I mean I don't know if if any team has guys four deep like this that have all at least shown flashes of being able to dominate offensive linemen in, in the pass rushing game and played pretty darn well against the run too. I don't want to, you know, overlook that aspect of their game. But again, it always comes down to injuries and health there. And you know, it makes me wonder when you when you look ahead to the roster cut down from ninety to fifty three, which is now just one big go at it. You know, do you have to prepare as though you know maybe one of these guys gets hurt? I mean, you don't want to keep too many outside linebackers because you're going to need guys at other positions. But when you've got guys like McPhee, Floyd, Houston, and Young that don't play much special teams, you know, does that open up a spot for both Scuda and Acho? I mean, I think some people might see that as a one or the other kind of position. And you got Christian Jones in there too. I mean, you, do you keep an extra outside linebacker just because you're not sure how much of all four of those guys you're going to get this year? Or can you go into the year just assuming, you know what, these guys are all healthy and we're just going to plan as though they're going to be mostly healthy because we're not going to, you know, we're not going to try and say they're going to get injured. I mean, obviously they're going to keep some depth regardless, even if they didn't have injury histories. But like, 
it opens up the, it opens up the door for a, a Dan Scuda, even a Isaiah Irving, one of these undrafted free agents, a, a Christian Jones, to be able to make the roster even when you have four outside linebackers that are all deserving of a starting job and really only two two spots for them to rotate in. I mean, you could see six outside linebackers again on this team this year just because of those injuries, and I think it's it's going to help just to keep everybody fresh and in that rotation. You you wonder even how a Vic Fangio who I don't I think Willie Young mentioned it, but I, I didn't include it in the audio there that Vic Fangio is coaching the outside linebackers this year because they let go of uh, uh, what's that guy? What's the, who's the outside linebackers coach that they dumped? Phil? Uh, he was Clint Clint, Clint Hurt. Yeah, Clint Hurt. That's right. They lost Clint Hurt, and I believe Vic Fangio is coaching the outside linebackers hands on this year. So they talked about that a little bit too, just not not included in the audio that I said there. So I mean. There's a lot of reason to be excited about these guys when they're healthy and and they can stay, they can just stay more fresh this year. I just wonder, you know, how, if you're Vic, how do you find snaps for these guys if all four of them are healthy? I mean, it's easier when Willie Young and Leonard Floyd are pretty much your healthy guys for most of the year, and you know you can get Sam Acho in there as your third. But when you have four guys plus Sam Acho plus maybe Dan Scuda who all have been starters in the NFL before and deserve reps, I mean, how do you, how do you split up that rotation? You really use it to your advantage. A good defensive coordinator is going to want dogs. And what I mean by that is a guy's hungry to get on the football field and compete. So you really are going to look at that. And obviously what's done in practice is going to set the barometer of who's going to be on the football field to begin or quote unquote starters, but really situational substitutions in key critical situations, keeping bodies fresh, then putting them in, resting players. You know, it's a physical sport, but there is a lot of mental games that you really need to play with your football players. And when they get to a professional level and their expectation is, well, I got paid, whatever, you try to weed those players out to ones that really, truly take a lot of pride in their craft. That's the elite class of the NFL, and that's the best GMs are the ones that can find those players that are mentally sound and prepared and recognize that this is their job to compete, to be the best given every down, whether it be, as I said, sacrificing for another player and really not getting your name called to getting home and rushing the passer on a third down and being the talk of the town. You really have to have a mental mindset and be able to be a coach to get the best out of those types of situations. So, for example, if you realize Leonard Floyd is your first-round pick and he's dogging in practice, then you have an opportunity to start Lamar Houston and set the stage for, well, the rookie's got to learn. He's got to bust his hump in practice. And that's how you use those players as well as play that mental game with them to keep them on edge and not give away anything. You want the best on the football field, but you also want to rest them. So you're not seeing Akeem Hicks, as you said, take so many snaps on a given season. You want to be able to get a, a, a John Jenkins in there and give him a rest for a couple series or a series here. So that maybe one series, but getting football players to compete, getting football players to understand the scheme. You know, last year, just singling out Tracy Porter, he was established as a leader in the locker room and the leader of the secondary. But when you watch the tape, he didn't play like a leader. So guess what that does? It deteriorates the whole growth of your team and your secondary. Thus, he's gone. And I mean that real, real talk, because that can hinder the growth of young players when you watch the supposed leader of your secondary dog it, not give effort in tackling then really, what are you going to do? You're probably going to fall victim to that. We're human beings. There's a human processing to it. We kind of follow another's lead. And when you build that competition up, then all of a sudden the leading is done by maybe someone that you never thought could because they are competing with Pernell McPhee for time and they're pushing McPhee. Then all of a sudden McPhee has to step up his game because here's young Leonard Floyd saying, you know what, I need more time on the football field because my play is standing out. And, and the fans are calling for it. And 
everyone knows that he can't be blocked now. And schemes have to be drawn up to stop him because all of a sudden offensive have to be knowing where Leonard Floyd is. Now that frees up your teammates. It makes the whole team better. So you want as many of those rushers as you possibly can. But ultimately, you want to use them in a rotational stance. You want to build the competition up. You want to un- make sure that they understand every scheme and every stunt or line blitz that you are doing. And if they don't, they shouldn't be able to be out there. They should be pulled out of the game and get someone that does know what you're doing. I thought that has hindered the Bears more so than anything. It's personnel and knowing what they're doing, being allowed to stay out there and kind of having a hypocritical stance on who is going to be held accountable and who is not. So I know that's a long answer, but I think it's one that needs to be addressed because I think this team has what you said a real talent talented uh group of different traits at the outside linebacker position and i think you can use each and every one of them to the advantage of the team not just themselves to the advantage of the team and and really draw up some competition and get the young guys involved too and part of that team advantage it makes me think too that you know, you, you, the talent of these guys individually, I think, you know, in a vacuum, any one of them could be a 10-sack guy. But I think if you're using them properly, perhaps, none of them would be, you know, in the sense that, mm-hmm. they're, they're, like, all four of them could each have, you know, like, if like if you really made Pernell McPhee and Leonard Floyd as more starters, they could be 10-sack guys each. But if, you, if you're rotating in a healthy Willie Young, Lamar Houston, Leonard Floyd and, and Pernell McPhee, maybe they're all seven or eight sack guys each, but that still is going to be more of a total team success than individual success, even though that might not quite be reflected on the stat sheet. But I want to move on to the secondary here as our show continues to, to wind down. And to me, the, the cornerback position has some parallels to the outside linebacker position, just in the sense that you have a lot of guys with injury question marks, a lot of new faces here, a lot of names all in a competition, according to reports out of Bears OTAs so far, Marcus Cooper and Prince Amukamara have been working with the starters, but you've got a guy like Kyle Fuller coming back from injury that I don't think anyone knows, or it's not been reported at least, where he is in his recovery. I don't think anyone has said for sure that he is practicing or that he is not fully practicing. you got a guy like Bryce Callahan, maybe in the slot, maybe in the outside competition. Same thing with Cravon LeBlanc a guy that I, I've been riding the train for there. It sounds like DeAndre Hall is playing safety more full-time now, although the Bears haven't ruled out a move back to corner for him. And then you've got you know some wild cards there, uh, a B.W. Webb, a Jonathan Banks, and even a, a, a guy like Rashad Reynolds, who not a lot of people have heard much about. But you, you got names. you got guys that if they're all healthy, you might have a decent rotation here. But again, a, a big if, but certainly with Tracy Porter gone, feels like you have an improvement there and guys like Callahan and and LeBlanc getting more experience you know after a full season under their belt here I guess two now for Bryce Callahan you're hoping to see some improvement there and of course the safety position you got Quinton Demps and then you have Amos kind of looking like your starters right now with Jones Corte, Deion Bush, Eddie Jackson, DeAndre Houston Carson sort of in the mix there but not really expecting either one of those two to lose their starting job at this point but you gotta, you gotta like at least the the improvement here, Phil. I mean, there's not maybe you're not. At least I'm not. I don't know about you. I'm not a hundred percent confident in all of their abilities to stay healthy. I think Amos and Demps will be a solid, solid safety group. I think that that is a definite plus there. But the cornerback position is a little bit more iffy for me. I'm, I'm, I'm this is a much more of a wait and see. But I know you're a lot higher on a guy like Marcus Cooper than I am. But I guess where, where do you stand on on how much improvement? there is in this secondary right now you know what uh, you know much like the outside linebacker position and it's, it's health is going to be important because those nickels especially callahan uh and, and leblanc are going to be important and i'm with you 100 percent. there's something about leblanc not because he wears my jersey number i just really think that young man is a very underrated player uh i know we've gone to town on twitter with some crazy anal- analytics with this football player but i think 
he is not to be overlooked. The tape I watched with the kid, I mean, the Green Bay game alone, he's making plays in dire situations on the football that get overlooked. And he really is just a rookie. So to say anything negative about some of the, you know, the mishaps are going to happen to a corner. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, it's it's a, a position where you got to, you know, move on to the next play and forget the last play. And that only counts with a guy like uh, Peterson in Arizona. Doesn't count for a kid like LeBlanc or Callahan or who, or Cooper or whoever. Unfortunately, that's the game of football. They're going to make mistakes, and they got to build off that. And I thought LeBlanc, for a rookie, undrafted free agent, that got cut and picked up. I thought he came in here and really showed a lot of promise. I think some people are going to eat a lot of crow when it comes to that football player because I think he can push even a Mukamara. You know, I know you don't like Cooper. I think Cooper is going to be a perfect fit in this defense and what they're going to ask him to do. I think I'm excited about I think it's a, a giant leap of improvement against Tracy Porter just on physicality and ball awareness alone and effort. And I think even um, Prince Amukamara is an improvement on uh, Tracy Porter alone as well. And then you had a rotation of players like Jonathan Banks was starting and Jacoby Glenn was playing. So the depth that they got, I think, with Amukamara Cooper, you throw in LeBlanc, you get a healthy Callahan back at the qu- corner position. Kyle Fuller, who I think should be playing free safety, is going to come back into competition, and you don't know about him. And I think my our boy Eddie Jackson can play corner in a pinch. He's that versatile. But, you know, his best position to me is probably free safety, but I think he can he could compete at corner and, and play that because he's sound in his technique. I think you're, you've improved. Now, albeit without experience as much, but I think Amukamura brings that kind of experience as well as Cooper that obviously they're starting out, and I think they're going to be the day one starters, Lauren. I think LeBlanc is going to be in at nickel. I, I looked and saw that PFF had a thing about, it was it was highlighting a different cornerback, but it was noting that Tracy Porter was on there as I think third in the NFL with most snaps against another team's number one wide receiver last year in coverage. And that's not directly man-to-man coverage, but just where they line up in terms of uh, across from the other number one wide receiver. And I guess, are, are you putting Prince Amuka, like if, if that's something Vic Fangio wants to do again, I think obviously that was more of an issue last year just because the Bears' number two cornerback changed so frequently. You know, it was LeBlanc and it was uh, it was even Jonathan Banks one week and Callahan and couple of guys i can't even think of off the top of my head here even jacoby glenn there were there were a lot of guys in that number two spot so maybe he felt like he had to keep tracy porter on the number one spot just because he was the one with experience and the one that had been on the field all season so if he does want to do that again are you putting the mukamara across from the number one guy or are you putting cooper that's a great question i honestly think more a mukamara because i think similar to Tracy Porter kind of laughing because I was thinking about this he has the veteran savvy of being asked to put be put in that situation the thing I like about Cooper is he's more of a system guy that I feel as though can play the matchup zone scheme and take the chances that you want to see uh, a corner take with the ball in the air and I think that's where he'll excel as opposed to being matched up one-on-one. I'm not saying he couldn't, but today, until I see Cooper out there playing, I would say today I would be all in on, obvious Amukamara. I've seen him do it. You know, good, heads-up, solid football player at the cornerback position. Somebody I think is a definite improvement to uh, Tracy Porter. So... That's exactly how I'd roll with that, Lauren. So, yeah. The safety position, too, seems like more of a sure thing just because Quinton Demps is more of a 
I guess, a recently, you know, the NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, and Demps had a really strong 2016 season with six interceptions last year, and obviously that's been a big issue for the Bears, especially at the safety position, getting those turnovers. But I guess I want to I want to ask you this question. With, with the safety position, it seems like right now Demps and Amos are kind of your, your starters, but would you say it's high, medium, or low chance that either one of those loses their starting job to a Harold Jones, Corte, Deion Bush, Eddie Jackson. I'll even throw DeAndre Houston Carson in there, and I guess Chris Brzezinski. But I, how I guess how confident are you in those two being the day one starters? Because I I'm pretty I'm pretty darn confident that those two guys will keep the job. But what's what's your take on that? I'm right with you. I think those are my, my guys. I've said this before. I think Adrian Amos gets overlooked. He was a rookie. Uh, highlight player, somebody that really jumped out um, last year. He got a little bank nicked up, but was being asked to cover and never had consistency in the back end with the rotation. However, they were deciding it or punishing or there was breakdowns and coverage from those opposite players at the strong safety position. I think Emil sliding over to the strong safety position is going to really be one of those guys that people are like, okay, okay, Adrian Amos is back. No, he was really covering a lot of other people. He never left. He might not. Exactly. I don't think when you actually watch the tape, Adrian Amos left. I think he brings an attitude, a level of toughness to the game. He always is going. I don't see him taking plays off. I don't see him breaking uh, coverage, you know, and a lot of sophomore seasons, you see a lot of regression, and there was an injury in there. So he's going to come back. I feel real confident with the the role that Quentin Demps is bringing to this football team. You know, a lot of people were criticizing age, but if you watch him, he's another guy. Maybe we should do a little tape on that really understands the game. Like, it's slowed down for him. After he's jumped around with the Giants, uh, I think he was with the Eagles, and the Houston Texans, obviously. This is a football player that I believe can really, after 10 years in the NFL, really feel this game. And, And he brings a level of physicality and confidence to the free safety position that you haven't seen since a Mike Brown. And I'm not comparing him to him. I just see the similar disposition in play, that awareness trait that is so hard to find and draft. And clearly the Bears have put a lot of energy and effort into finding another Mike Brown type to play that free safety position. I just think Demp's is really going to be somebody you got to keep an eye on this year because I think he's going to be somebody that really leads that secondary where last year your leader kind of led you off a cliff. This year I think <laughs> this this kind of leadership from the free safety position, and shout out to this young man, Demps, two UTEP players on the roster maybe, Lauren. It's pretty impressive. Uh coming in here and really taking over the secondary. And I feel as though just listening to this young man speak, that he understands what is being asked of him and is really going to be a mentor without the fear of competition, without the fear of somebody taking his job because it means something to him. So I, the more I look at Quentin Demps as a person – as well as his tape, the more I think this signing is going to be applauded come October. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I feel like this is the first June in probably a decade in Chicago where I'm like, okay, I feel pretty good about the safety position. It feels it feels good. I mean, like, it was, I think there was one point with, with Chris Conti and Major Wright, believe it or not, when they were still young. <laughs> And they were kind of looking to be the starting safeties where you're kind of like, okay, if those guys if those guys step it up the next level, you know, and, and start to take their game and get more consistent, 
you might have a safety duo there. And obviously that was, I mean, that was not right. That was horribly wrong. But I, I feel like with, <laughs> with Demps, you know what you're getting. And with Amos, he's done it for two years now at, at a, a decent to, to above average level. And it doesn't seem like he's in any position to take a step back. I feel pretty confident about the safety position in Chicago. And that's a, a new feeling. I'm still trying to feel it out. But I know we're, we're hitting our hour mark here. And I want to I want to start to wrap up, but I want to I want to get you on a little bit of a bigger picture stance on this defense because, I mean, the, if these guys, I mean, obviously, I think you're in agreement with me that it, this is depends a hundred percent on injuries, and if if your outside linebackers stay healthy, Eddie Goldman stays healthy, you have your defensive lineman. That's a huge, huge if, and of course, your cornerbacks. We talked about their injury histories. If you can get most of those guys to stay healthy, how good can this defense be? I mean, a, a top ten top 10 unit i mean it's not as though they were terrible yeah. last year i mean they weren't I really, they weren't good i really believe that they could be lauren and top i'll tell five. you why i think they could push there and i'll tell you why it's gonna be the health i think and i know this is kind of weird but i think the nose guard position eddie goldman coming back focus is gonna be critical with pernell mcphee and a leonard floyd those Guys coming back in a scheme they're more familiar with, with not having to worry about the back end because a guy like Demps has gone through this in his career. And I feel like he is on tape, he's a talented free safety, Lauren. This isn't a guy that's, you know, a, a role coming in maybe a two years past his due. And you thought maybe you'd squeeze a little lemon juice out of him. This is a guy that's coming in here wanting to understand the system and the philosophy that's going to say, I got this on the back end with my guys. And that, I think, is going to be an improvement of its own self to this defense. And then allow Amos to be more comfortable at the strong safety position where he's going to be a menace and really be able to, I think he's a, a get home blitzer athlete. And I think that is something he wasn't able to do because he was needing to play the free safety position because he's an intelligent football player. So the back end's improved. Now you got Amukamura coming in, who's an improvement to Tracy Porter. Now you got Cooper coming in, who's more of a very scheme sound football player for the scheme, and then you get Cravon LeBlanc and Callahan battling out at nickel. Now you're improved, and this was a top 20 defense last year that you know was a three-win football team. I think Vic Fangio's scheme simplified and was run, you know, simple stuff last year. I think they could take another step, and I think I'm excited about that. And the the other thing is uh, a Freeman in the middle. That guy, I believe, and I've said this before on Bears Hour Live, you can quote it. I thought he was the best inside backer last season. If he didn't get the PED stuff, he would have been a Pro Bowl football player. And if he wasn't, it's an absolute travesty. Because if you watch tape, if you really watch and single out this guy, he's in coverage. He's filling the alley. He's all over the football field, and he finishes tackles. He lets his presence known. This is an absolute awesome football player. You know, the PED stuff hurt him, Lauren, 100%. But it's undeniable that he was the free agent steal signing of last season. And he was a better football player than Danny Trevathan, who got a lot of money and a lot of hype. And I think coming into this season, a motivated Jarrell Freeman is going to be the cherry on top of what we talked about so far. I think he is something special inside. And if he really takes the bulls by the horn, I really think he could put this defense over the top in that top 10 area, in that push for that top five. That's how important i think a middle linebacker is and i think freeman can bring that to the table of the chicago bears yeah i realized right before you started mentioning it that we did 
skip over the entire linebacker <laughs> but it's not like i mean i think we're in kind of in the same agreement that Jarrell Freeman is going to have a big year. I mean, he's just a very consistent, solid player. And then Danny Trevathan, you hope he's healthy soon. But Nick Kwiatkowski will pretty much get the job done. I mean, he's going to make mistakes. He's still a young player, still growing. But when Danny Trevathan is back to 100%, you've got two lockdown inside linebackers that are, are very, very solid, and you're not really concerned there. But again, I, I, I'm with you step for step. I think a, a healthy Bears defense is a top 10 unit. I'm not, I'm not ready to say pushing top five until I see – a little bit more of how all these pieces work together. You got a lot of moving parts, a lot of new faces, at least in the secondary, that are still, you know, learning the system a little bit. And and I don't want to get too ahead of myself there, but I think this is a defense that can carry the team to some wins. Although you saw last year, if the quarterback play just isn't up to it, I mean, this defense had the Bears ready to beat Indianapolis, Jacksonville, and a number of games mm-hmm. there where the team was the defense, even though they didn't have a great year by the time the year was done. They had this team in position to win more games, and obviously the quarterback play wasn't able to to put this team in the end zone and to give them those wins. And hopefully, I mean, I think everyone is assuming and at least hoping that Mike Glennon is an upgrade from Brian Hoyer and Matt Barkley, and he should be. But that you know, you never know. And maybe we who's, see Mitch who's Mike Glennon later. I mean, who is Mike Glennon, Phil? <laughs> we gotta keep it consistent, Lauren. Who, who who's is Mike, Mike Glennon? Glennon? <laughs> we're gonna find out, and we're gonna know. One exactly. thing I wanted to ask you before we wrap up the show, and maybe the fans could chime in and people in the podcast, were you surprised at all that they didn't address more on the inside backer, even in you know, in any vicinity this offseason? I just thought maybe they get another guy in here with the Danny Trevathan concern as well as the limited stuff we saw of Nick Kwiatkowski. Well, they've got John Timu and Jonathan Anderson, and it makes me wonder, because they didn't add anybody, if they view Christian Jones back on the inside long-term here. I mean, I guess I don't know. We haven't heard one way or another on Christian Jones. I have a feeling they like his ability to do both and be versatile there, but I I think it's more that they're just confident in their guys. You know, they invested that fourth-round pick in Kwiatkowski, and they want him to be successful, and they don't feel like he needs starting competition, especially with... Uh, Danny Trevathan back, and then you got Timu and Anderson and Christian Jones are all solid special teams players. So I guess, I mean, I would have thought they'd grab like an undrafted guy there and, you know, just to add something, but it's not, I'm not concerned in any way about it, and I, I guess it's not, it's not the most surprising thing in the world. I was surprised they didn't add, you know, they didn't add an undrafted Forky Frazier in the secondary either, despite the uh, the attempts to upgrade there. So, I mean, I think it's just more about you know that they've put in plenty of overhaul on the rest of the roster, and they feel like inside linebacker is uh, is pretty secure. But we have we've gone uh, almost a, a full ten minutes over our hour, so we do need to to wrap up here and, and keep the keep the podcast from going on too long. So you know, we, we mentioned it earlier, but our Jay Howard YouTube film breakdown, our BHL film room went up earlier today. Check that out if you haven't yet. We break down some tape from Kansas City, show you why we're excited about him as a starting defensive end in this defense, of course. If you like our videos, feel free to subscribe on YouTube. Join join the group, I and mean, our, our subscriber count keeps going up pretty quickly on there. It's beating our Twitter account now by a, a decent amount. And as always, podcast is on iTunes. We're on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, tune in. Uh, I can't think of the other. Sprecher, I think. Uh, some of the iTunes. other podcast distributors. What was that, Phil? iTunes. iTunes, of course. So. Feel free to subscribe and, and give us that nice little review. That's uh, that's how you move up in the podcast world, and hopefully you can help us uh, reach more Bears fans and, and keep this going. So with that, I would like to thank everyone for listening to this edition of Bears Hour Live. Come on.